Welcome back to the Living Out Love podcast. I am so excited that we are in November. Oh, man. Just, I'm going to soak up as much fall as I can get, which, you know, fall in Texas standards <laughs> is a pretty lackluster version of what most people get to experience, but I am going to just be grateful for what I have. So, yay for fall. All right, today we are talking about words the power of words and choosing our words with intention. And the reason I want to talk about this, um, the importance of words, is it is something that slips in and out of my own focus as a growth opportunity. Even though it is such powerful work, it's just, it's easy to slip into norms rather than staying in intention when it comes to the words that we use. And I know I struggle with like, I say like, like a lot and it, <laughs> it bothers me. And just in general, I, I almost said it again. I want to prioritize being more intentional in all areas of my life. And a major way of doing that is through the words that we use. So let's start by talking about why this work is important. Everything has energy. And thus, everything has an energetic frequency. The food we eat has a frequency. If you are a person that uses crystals or oils to supplement your spiritual practice, those have energetic vibrations. The air in your house and even the energy in your body, all of these things have energetic vibrations. Words have energetic vibrations. Okay. And before... Oh... A lot of people on this podcast might be thinking that this is going to be one of those toxic toxic positivity things. It is not. I'm not suggesting that we should always use the highest vibration word or the highest vibration meditation supplement or the highest vibration food, anything like that. The point of discussing energetic frequencies is not so that we can always feel good or that we can jump up the frequency ladder, so to speak, all the way up there to bliss. The point is so that we can be aware and that we can strive for alignment. And sometimes our alignment will be at that top of that ladder. It'll be bliss. And sometimes it won't. The, it'll be at peace or at acceptance. Okay, so as you listen to this episode today, and really as you listen to any teaching that has to do with any sort of supplement or, or any sort of energetic vibration, the goal is not to be the most positive. The goal is to be intentional with what you perceive to be in alignment with either your highest self or the, mo the most benevolent outcome for all involved. Okay, so words are important because they have energetic frequency. We want to be aware of them, but the goal is not to say the best words all the time. Okay, and I'm we're going to make one more caveat before we really dive into this, because I think so many times you know, with podcast teaching, with spiritual teaching, with like life coaching, I think so many times we lose the nuance behind the message. And I really want to make sure that we don't lose the nuance here. So as I talk about words, I want you to be gentle with yourself. I want you to remember that humans are mimicking creatures. We use sim similar body language and the same words as the people that are around us. And our brains are designed to do that. It helps us to stay safe. The, the way that humans stay safe is by attachment and relationships. And so by mimicking others, 
we are ensuring that we will be part of the tribe. I'm one of you because I'm standing like you and I'm using the words that you use and I'm one of you and therefore I'm attached and therefore I can survive. Okay, that's what our, our brains are doing to help us feel safe. So if at any point you're observing yourself with your word choice or your behaviors at large, but since today we're focusing on words, if you're observing the words that you used and you're having judgment or shame, please remember to be gentle with yourself. Yes, the rest of this podcast, I'm going to be advocating that we spend a lot more effort and intention around the words that we use. And there are good reasons that we've shown up the way that we have so far. So this episode is about bringing your awareness to something that may be a growth opportunity. It is not about giving you a reason to judge and shame yourself. Okay. And I would say that's true for all of the podcast episodes, but I just want to be really clear on that because that, ooh, that's, that's a big deal for a lot of people. So we are mimicking creatures. Mimicking keeps us safe. Those are the reasons that we use the words we do. Okay. Next thing to know, if you do start to change the words you use, you'll have to do so carefully. So we're going to work with our first example. So let's say that you have a loved one that has cancer. The common phrase used in cancer situations is fighting cancer and battling cancer, which there are good reasons why those are the words that we use. The cancer journey is often long. It's unknown. It's hugely emotional and physical. It requires an intense level of support. So using words like fight and battle are, I am sure, meant to empower the person, to give them the proper expectation of the resilience that's going to be needed to get through the cancer journey. However, for some of us, fight and battle are not the words that feel in alignment. For some of us, it is. It might be in alignment for you. But for some of us, fight and battle does not feel like alignment. So let's say you're going to say that your loved one is on a healing journey. Rather than fighting cancer, you're going to say they're on a healing journey with cancer. You have to be really careful and strategic when you interject a new phrase like that. For some people, that's going to sound too Pollyanna. And it might feel to them like it doesn't honor the magnitude or the severity of the situation. For some people, that might be a welcome change hearing healing journey. They might appreciate the shift in the energy, that assumption of healing. But the key here is to know your audience. If you're going to be the first to change up the status quo, don't go charging into a highly sensitive situation and correcting other people's word choices. Okay, so see if you can add it in. You don't have to completely stop saying fighting cancer, battling cancer. Maybe phase them out as it makes sense. Okay, so remember the whole point of talking about words in the first place is to get the most benevolent outcome for all to stay in alignment with our highest selves. So be gentle. Remember that we are mimicking creatures and it can be jarring for others when we do not mimic them. So yes, change words toward a more benevolent outcome. Do it in a way that those around you might be able to digest it. And I know none of us are 100% psychic and able to predict how other people are, are going to respond to us. But this, this is important 
this important, um, what is the word that I'm thinking of? Speaking of words, they've gone missing. It's like, it's important background content to have in the back of your mind that while, yes, you want to be intentional about your words, but there is that larger context of who, who we are surrounded by and how they will respond. All right, now we're really going to dive into to some more examples of word choices and things that I've noticed in my life that I've changed or um, am in the process of changing and why. So I'm a parent of preschoolers, and I'm gonna I'm gonna start with words that are in the parenting zeitgeist that I choose not to use. I choose not to use consequences and punishments. As as those are just words that don't really come out of my mouth. I do use the term outcome and effect. And I prefer those for a few reasons. Spiritually speaking, I believe that we are all of God. We're all made up of source. We're all co-creators. I don't believe in a Zeus-like God on a cloud that's up there judging our every move and just doling out consequences. So I don't believe at a universal spiritual level, I don't believe in punishment as a thing that exists. I do believe that we have outcomes of our behaviors and that is the worldview that I'm teaching my children, that our thoughts, our behaviors, we have outcomes of our co-creation. I don't believe in an outside source handing down consequences. The other major reason I prefer outcomes and effects is because it puts the results, especially in terms of parenting, it puts the results and the responsibility of my child. So if I'm using consequence or punishment, that's connoting to the child that the child did something, then I as the parent get to decide how to respond and hand down my decision from which they may or may not suffer. Whereas when we're saying outcome and effect, then that's connoting that my child has created a result. My child made a decision which caused something to happen, which created a result, an outcome, an effect unlike a punishment or a consequence which a parent or an outside person could decide, the outcome or effect is something that my child had an intentional role in creating. So by using this language, it's subtle, but it's true. I'm telling my child that they're, they are co-creators in the world. The world is not happening to them. It's their co-creation. So there's... It's both spiritually true and from a more practical parenting role. I just don't use consequences and punishments. I use outcomes and effects. And that's, you know, there are so many terms and phrases in parenting that could do with some editing, but I'm not a parenting expert and it's not a parenting podcast. So that's the only specific parenting example I'm going to use, but it's a pretty big one, isn't it? It's pretty big. Most of us were raised in the the consequences of your actions, which sounds negative. And then we weren't raised in like the rewards from your actions or the payoff from your actions. Those phrases weren't used nearly as often. So by just labeling it outcome and effect, it it creates space for both. We're going to create some beautiful, wonderful, magical things, and we're going to create some things that we're going to learn from. And it can all be true under the umbrella of outcome and effects. But 
thus done done with the parenting <laughs> the next phrase oh my gosh oh i i bet if you guys had to bet money on what i was going to say you would have bet money on this but this is a phrase that we badly need to change you hurt my feelings loves we say this a lot adults say this a lot when you did that xyz thing that hurt my feelings Okay, so three quick reasons why we need to stop saying this. Number one, you are responsible for your feelings. No one else is responsible for your feelings. If this is your first episode with me and this is news to you, I have many other episodes on emotional intelligence. If you want to learn more about this concept, just find other episodes, check out my show notes. Second reason why we need to stop saying this phrase, it's vague. It's vague. Third reason, we are not owning our power in the situation. Okay, so what do we say instead of, you hurt my feelings? Get ready, there's some more words. I'm feeling, okay, this is going to be an example. I'm feeling rejected. When you didn't call me back, I assumed you didn't think I was important, and so I'm feeling rejected. By naming the feeling, in this example, rejected, you're actually empowering yourself in your own emotional process. You are acknowledging your power in the situation because you're saying, I assumed that you didn't think I was important. That's your power is your thought or your assumption about the situation. If you didn't get a call back, you could have assumed the person was injured and maybe you would have felt anxiety or panic. You could have assumed the person was swamped at work and you would have felt compassion. By making that statement, when you did XYZ thing, you didn't call you back, then you decided it meant whatever you decided it meant. You are creating your experience of the situation. I'm feeling rejected. When you didn't call me back, I assumed you didn't think I was important. And so I'm feeling rejected. That is way more effective than saying you hurt my feelings. Here's another reason why. We're being specific. When we're specific, we're helping our brain recognize its own patterning. In this example, when I don't get a call back, my brain makes me feel rejected. We're helping the other person understand how we got from their behavior to our emotion. And we don't all emote the same way. If the same situation had happened to someone else, they might have felt anger rather than rejection. So being specific and owning our interpretation and reaction will allow for the most clarity and thus the most healing. So you hurt my feelings. We're not going to say that anymore. We're going to say what we're feeling and why we're feeling that way. Okay. And why we're feeling that way is not because what somebody else did. It's because our thought about what somebody else did, what we're making it mean. That specificity and that ownership is very important to our vibration. Saying you hurt my feelings puts us in victim mode automatically and it makes us helpless. When we own I'm feeling, even if it's a terrible feeling, 
and the meaning that we're making is terrible, even if that's true, we're still telling our brain, but it's changeable. This didn't happen to me. It's happening for me. And I have creative power here. Okay. So just remove you hurt my feelings from your vocabulary and start naming individual feelings and the thoughts and the meaning behind them. All right. Here's another, another powerful reframe for your word usage. Speaking of feelings, I am versus I am feeling. So listen to this sentence and then notice how your body feels. I am overwhelmed. And say that to yourself. I am overwhelmed. Notice how your body feels. Where does it feel low vibration, perhaps scattered, perhaps exhausted? Like where are you feeling a sagging energy? Notice how your body feels when you say, I am overwhelmed. All right, take a breath, let that feeling go, and now say, I am feeling overwhelmed. And notice your body. I am feeling overwhelmed. For me, it's still, it's still unpleasant. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's still unpleasant. But the feeling is less intense. It localizes the energy a little bit in my body. I don't feel it throughout my body in the same way. Again, by saying I am feeling rather than I am, we are being more specific and we're taking ownership of our experience. When you say that I am, it kind of connotes that the world is happening to you. Whereas when you say I am feeling, the world might still be happening to you, but it's recognizing that it's a response. It's just a feeling. It's not a permanent state of being. So even though the feeling is the same, naming it as a feeling rather than as a state of being lessens the power and puts you in the driver's seat. And again, this is subtle, right? This is a subtle word choice change, but energetically, vibrationally, the feeling that you have in your body adds up. If every time you said, I am feeling rather than I am, you would notice a big difference. Okay, we're going to shift gears a little bit now. <laughs> we're going to talk about curse words, people. I'm a big fan of curse words, actually. Um, as long as they're not name calling or derogatory in any way, curse words, they help us experience our negative emotions. It's it's not socially acceptable to, you know, throw things and yell and scream because that wouldn't be safe for other people, right? We can't. So we're not going to throw things, um, most of us, most of the time, and we're not going to scream at people. So if we're frustrated, having a, a quick curse word can be really helpful. It helps us relieve that emotion. Now, again, I'm not saying curse at people. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying like, you're carrying a bunch of stuff and you're running late and then you drop something and it breaks and you go, oh, right. I'm saying that for your own experience, cursing can be very helpful. I'm not suggesting that you curse at people. I would never suggest that. I'm just being very clear because sometimes what happens in the past, I've shared about anger and how yelling for me, I feel like 
yelling when nobody else around is just stupid and artificial and it doesn't work and I need to yell at somebody that's prepared to hold space for me. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not, con I'm not condoning that we just curse at people. Okay. So there's a, there's a difference there. And again, choosing our words is not about being the highest vibration. Remember, it's not about glossing over the truth to try to make things better. It's about living with intention. And so for curse words, sometimes our intention is to honor our feeling in the moment of like, OMG, I can't believe this is my life right now, you know? So if you need to curse on occasion, do it. I just want to address that because we're talking about words. And, and for some people, curse words are a big part of their vernacular. And for some people, they aren't. Whatever resonates with you. Okay. A good old fashioned S, F, or D word is kind of, it's kind of what I've said. Um, again, nothing derogatory. Um, nothing based on belittling men or women or non-binary peoples, any of that. Um, but a good old S word, D word, those sort of things. Oh, I just realized that some D words are derogatory towards men. I'm, I'm thinking like the dang it type thing. So use the word, stamp your foot, elevate your voice a little bit, but give you, give yourself that quick release so that then you can move on into the next phase. But sometimes if that curse word will help you feel that frustration and anger in your body so that then you can release it, do it. Okay. So they're, they are important words. Um, and now I'm going to kind of flip that on its head. Instead of talking about curse words, we're going to talk about nice words, niceness and kindness. <sighs> Speaking of parenting. So in parenting and in spiritual communities, many of us are often preoccupied with niceness. That's not nice. That's not kind, especially women. And I get it. Niceness is wonderful. It's wonderful. I love being nice. But I'm not sure. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it is not the most effective lens through which to be judging our words and actions. And I'm, I think people are going to listen to this and they're going to tell me I'm just being picky. But it's about being specific and intentional with our words. So instead of saying nice, I prefer to say loving. I don't need to be kind. I need to be loving. Here's the reason why I think that difference is so important. It's hard to be nice while also telling people no. It's easy to be loving and tell people no. And I really do think that when people use the term nice, they often mean loving. But I find loving to be the more accurate term. In parenting, when we tell our kids, be nice, be kind, oh, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Be loving. Be brave. Be generous. Be honest. Okay, it's confusing for our kids when we repeat, be nice and be kind all day, but then we have to take away their screen time or not allow them dessert or whatever it is, then their argument is, but that's not nice. That's not kind. Whereas if we have been saying, be loving, then we can easily explain how limiting screen time and dessert is loving. That is a very loving thing to do. It may not feel nice to them, but it's obviously loving. 
Okay, so that was just parenting, but it's true in adult situations too. Those of us that have been so conditioned to be nice, most of us don't know how to hold people accountable because it wouldn't have been nice. We don't know how to give critical feedback. And it's not that you can't do those things while you're nice and kind because you absolutely can. But if you've been a person who has been told, be nice, be nice, be kind, that's what you've been solving for. You've been solving for being nice. And so then it's not likely to occur to you that you need to give somebody critical feedback because that's not what your brain has been focused on. So do I want to be kind and warm towards others? Yes, absolutely. Why not? But the goal is not kindness for the sake of kindness. The goal is to be loving. And oftentimes that will be kindness. But loving is a wider umbrella. It allows for more things than nice and kind do. You know, I mentioned that those of us who've been conditioned to be nice, that we, we solve for that. And so we're often not seeing other ways of being that would actually be more loving. And of course, that was no one's intention when they told us to be nice. No one intended that we would become doormats or that we wouldn't learn how to give people important feedback. But some of us became those people. We were so focused on being nice because that's what the world told us we needed to be. We heard that word repeated over and over and over again. So my point here is that the words that we use matter. We toss them around without much thought sometimes, but they absolutely create outcomes in the world. I'm going to give you, this is sort of silly example, but I think it just really drives the point home about the words that we use. So in college, I became a dance minor. And I had not really had a lot of ballet before. Like I did, I did dance team in high school, which was mostly, you know, jazz and pom-pom, that sort of thing. So I hadn't had ballet since I was like three or five years old. And I didn't have a lot of the technique that most other students had because I didn't have the years of ballet training. And my amazing dance professors who I have I'm not saying anything bad about them just because I'm using this example. Please don't think I'm slamming my professors because I am absolutely not. They were the best. But my amazing dance professors um, would say, point your toes over and over again, because that is what dance teachers say, point your toes. And we'd be doing warm-up exercises and I'd hear, point your toes, doing leaps across the floor, point your toes, any exercise at all, point your toes. And that whole time, I was squeezing the life out of my toes. I mean, I am so focused on pouring all the energy I have into those toes. It took literally years before I realized that what I was not doing was rolling through my ankle. And if you're not a dancer, this doesn't make sense, but you don't really need to understand it. It, was, it wasn't my toes that were the issue. It was my entire foot, the way the foot was connecting to my leg that was the ankle. In the dance world, point your toes is a very common phrase that if you had had a lot of experience in ballet, you would know that involves rolling through the ankle, connecting your foot to your leg and having one long line. But I didn't grow up with all that. so. 
point your toes, point your toes, I was literally thinking toes, 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 and not realizing what it meant. The only reason I ever figured it out was because one day, I was a senior by this point, one of my college professors took me into a room and had me practice one move after the other, after other, 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 and just practice, 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 that was showing me rolling through the angle for a jump. There was this one move that she was showing me this, 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 and like, I finally got it, that it was not about the toes themselves. It was about pointing through the whole foot and having the foot line up with my leg and rolling through the ankle. So that day I was on top of the world. Like I was like, oh, this is what they needed this whole time. I got it. I can do this. But of course I had to unlearn years of training and just squeezing the heck out of my toes, which like anybody listening that has any dance experience at all, like it's absurd, right? It's funny that I didn't get it, but I didn't. And it, so the day that I got the rolling through the ankles, what I understood at that point was the mechanics of it. It was the mechanics. And then it took, it took me a couple weeks actually to have the embarrassment of realizing this is what they wanted the whole time and I didn't get it. And then it took me more months to realize, well, that's not entirely my fault. They said, point your toes and I pointed my toes. So the words that we use matter. Specificity matters because we all come from different contexts. It matters. <laughs> okay, so last example on the power of words. We're going to go back to the idea of words having vibration. How are you affirming yourself? How do you receive compliments? How do you speak to your own strengths? How do you talk about yourself to others and to yourself? These are all really great opportunities for many of us for the, the words that we use. And even, even if you're a person that doesn't feel comfortable tooting your own horn, sorry, I said that backwards. Even if you're a person that does feel comfortable tooting your own horn, are you doing so with intention? Many people, you know, that listen to kind of self-help stuff or spiritual development stuff are more like me where we don't. We don't feel comfortable bragging or owning our own strengths because that's not nice, right? But, but if you are one of those people, are you doing it with intention? And if you're not, this is a great area of opportunity for you, getting comfortable owning your strengths. Owning your strengths does not make other people smaller. Other people have their strengths and you can speak to those. But it's important to be able to say who it is that you are in the world. You know what comes easier to me than it does to others. You know this? Compassion. Unless I'm triggered or stressed, compassion is my it's my primary emotion towards other people. And when I'm not feeling compassion, that's usually my clue that I'm that I'm stressed or that I'm not managing myself appropriately. So I know that compassion is something that's easier for me. Some people really struggle to cultivate compassion for a variety of reasons. So by me saying that it comes naturally to me, it's not shaming anybody else. If anything, it's acknowledging that I don't have to work for it. I, I know that there are lots of people out there that do have to work for compassion. It's a lovely spiritual tool. It's a way of living in the world. And the fact that people practice it when it doesn't come easily to them blows me away. 
of course it feels good for me to practice it, A, it feels good to have compassion in our bodies. It physically feels good to us to be compassionate. B, I'm really good at practicing it because it comes so naturally to me. It feels like mastering something. You know how good it feels like if you're already decently good at bowling and you hit a strike, like it feels really good to like really hit the strike. Whereas like if you're terrible at bowling and you get a strike, you're like, oh, well, that was luck, right? So it's it's sort of that thing. It's it's more fun to practice what you're already good at. For other people, it's not fun for them. They might experience that like, oh, well, I got lucky. Or they might really think that compassion's not safe. Perhaps they have a belief that if they're outwardly compassionate, someone will take advantage of them. You know, we have no idea what's going on inside of other people, inside of their thought patterns, their trauma history. So my willingness to say that I'm good at compassion, that it comes easily for me, that has nothing to do with making other people less than or making them wrong. It's just my personal truth. And when it comes time to talk about something that I'm not good at, I'm going to be honest there too. Okay, so how are you talking about your own strengths, about who it is that you are and how you function in the world? And are you willing to talk about it? It is an important part of our vibration to acknowledge the way that God expresses in us. Find the words for that. All right, now let's move to compliments. If somebody gives you a compliment, how are you receiving it? Here's some ideas. Oh, thank you for noticing. I've been working on that skill, actually. Or, I appreciate you saying that. I'm I'm feeling shy about it, but I'm so glad you told me because I actually was focusing on that, so thank you. Or, thank you, it helps me to hear that. None of those were dismissive. Do not dismiss your compliments. Dismissive responses are like, oh, that was just luck, or oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. That must have just been an accident. I did? Are you are you sure you're talking about me? That couldn't have been me. Okay, do not dismiss your compliments. Accept them. If you're worried people think that you're a snob, then accept it in a way that makes the other person look good for giving you a compliment. Okay. Thanks for telling me that. How loving of you to take the time to get me such wonderful feedback. Thank you. Okay, that's a way of taking the compliment and making it about the other person, which is a stepping stone to just taking the compliment. Do not dismiss your compliments. Again, think about this from an energetic vibrational thing. The world is showing up to support you and love you and you're going, "Ugh, that couldn't have been me. Don't dismiss your compliments talk about your strengths. The words we use about ourselves matter. Okay, last thoughts for today about words. Notice your inner dialogue. I know this is hard. We have so many thoughts throughout the day, way more than we could ever be aware of. But here are my general guidelines when it comes to inner dialogue and just words in general. These are my guidelines. Is it loving? Is it specific and is it honest or true? You can hold yourself accountable while being loving, honest, and specific. You can honor yourself while being loving, honest, and specific. 
there is room for the whole gamut of experience within those rules. So if you do want to raise your vibration with your words, whether spoken or out loud, then add, add a phrase. So if your thought was, wow, I had the best intentions, but I really messed that one up. That's honest and it's loving. I had the best of intentions, but I messed it up. But now let's make it more specific. I messed it up because I misunderstood the assignment. Or I messed it up because I was distracted and stressed. Okay, then we add the phrase. Let's add a future phrase. I'll be sure to make amends and I'll be more conscious moving forward. I'm going to apologize and prepare for a different outcome. Okay, so if the first thought was, wow, I had the best of intentions, but I really messed that one up. That was honest and loving. Then we made it specific. Had the best of intentions, but I messed it up. I think I'd messed it up because I misunderstood the assignment. Then we're going to add. I'll be sure to make amends. I'll do it differently moving forward. I know how to prepare for a different outcome next time. And again, we want the future statements to be loving, honest, and specific as well. This is going to likely be unpleasant, but the healing will be worth it. Everything is happening for me in my highest good. Okay. So, oh my gosh, I know we've covered a lot today. This is a longer episode than I intended, but there's so many things to say about words and we could have done a whole episode just on all of the examples. Mimicking vibration, intention specificity. So we've covered a lot today. Hang on to what helped and leave the rest. Okay, let's get to work, loves. We are, we're co-creators and words are one of the ways that we create. So go make some magic. Be loving, be specific, and be honest. I'll talk to you next week. Bye.